today we are so blessed to have an incredible, 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 incredible guy uh, with us today. He's, he's serving as a pastor. Uh, he and his wife have a tremendous testimony of God's grace, restoration, and redemption. Uh, he is a, a fantastic life coach, and he and his wife work with marriages and individuals, just helping them uh, to, to really heal and step into what God has for them. They, they go into high schools. Uh, they have a, a ministry that goes into high schools to raise awareness about the harmful effects of pornography among teenagers. And uh, and so they just, they do so much. I get tired just talking to, to him about all they do. But anyway, um, but they are just great friends. He is he is a Southern California guy, so he's here from Southern California. By the way, it, it, just pray for he and his family. Um, where they're from is actually where the wildfires are and where the shooting just took place. And so it's just a couple miles from their house. And so you just pray for them and their families in, evacuated into San Diego. And I'm so honored to have him with us. And I can't wait for you to meet him. But before you do, I want you to meet his wife, Terry. And so she's not here, but when she's not able to be there, their story is so amazing that, that Terry's going to join us via video just for a minute to give you a glimpse from her side. And, and she's going to encourage you. And then at the end of that, I want you to give a big round of applause as James Craft comes to speak. Okay. Hi, friends. I'm here in LA on the set of Kingdom Work Studios' three new projects. And I'm so excited to be with you. I know that you have my husband there in person, and I'm many miles away. First of all, for those of you who are sitting in your seats right now who can raise your hands as high as I can and say, thank you, God, for the miracle work that you've done in my life. I have a big T testimony, and I'm so thankful. But I also understand that there are those who hear my words and who are in that place of waiting, in that place of seeking, in that place of, of brokenness. And you might be hearing that and thinking, God, when? When am I going to receive this answer to my prayer? And I want to encourage you. Our message is simply this. There is hope, and you are not alone. Jesus met me on the road, the broken road that led to a life of freedom and intimacy, not only in my personal journey with Christ, but for my marriage and my family. And that broken road that went through the, the real life tragedy of marriage betrayal, of watching my husband walk through the recovery of an addiction to pornography, and the loss of ministry the loss of pretty much everything, the, the ripping apart of what everything that I thought identified me. And what Christ revealed in that was that he wanted to take two broken pieces and put them together and make them whole in him. But I first had to surrender to this journey. And I heard Jesus speak to my heart. And he was speaking to me from my future. And he was calling me onward to a journey that led through a great transformation, not only in my husband's life, but mine as well. And I realized that there are many people who find themselves in this place. And so I understand that this is a difficult, a difficult story to hear. But I know that everyone will be able to identify with part of it. So I encourage you. Put your hiking boots on with us as we take a journey with you today into our story. Really, our story is God's story. And He is to be glorified today 
because in our midst, He is still here. He is doing miracles and there is hope and you're not alone. Well, you saw my wife and I married out of my league, man. I'm telling you. Pastor was like, is she reading the script? I said, no. She did that one take, two camera angles with no script. And I'm like, you know what? It's unfair. It'll probably take me 12 shots to do that, you know? So she is such a tremendous woman. Uh, and I am so grateful to be here uh, and so thankful to be able to come and, and be able to minister to and with you because this is a special moment. We love, love Pastor Marty and Julie. We are so grateful for them, dear friends. And I'm so thankful to see what God is doing here at Pathway. Amen. God is doing a great work here and he is expanding and growing. I love the vision. I was sitting down uh, right before, and I said, uh, turned to pastor, and I said, pastor, the sign of a health of a church is seeing babies, and um, there's new life. There's new life growing, and I'm telling you, a lot of babies, man, a lot of babies here, so it's good, and to see what God is doing here. Hey, I want to just dive into this, because I got a lot to share with you, and but I also want to go to places that it might make you feel a little uncomfortable. Is that okay to feel a little uncomfortable in life sometimes, all right? And some of you are like, no, I don't like that, all right? But as you heard from my wife, you know, we have a story here. Every person in this room has a story. Amen? Okay, turn to somebody next to you and say, you have a story. You have a story, okay? But here's the key here, all right? God is always calling us. Jesus is always calling us. And I'm going to repeat what my wife said. Calling you from your future, drawing you forward through your story. It's important for us to understand that so that we can understand where we are going. As you heard from our story, it's you know filled with uh, betrayal in our marriage. Uh, it's sexual addiction. With I had pornography addiction. Uh, you know it just had, and we were pastoring all along. We had great influence. We even my, when I was a youth pastor, we had a thousand kids in our youth group. Growing through, I was a denominational leader for our denomination, and then we ended up at our last church we were pastoring in Hawaii. Uh, yes, somebody has to do that, but it was in Honolulu, and our church was ten thousand people there. And at that point, then everything was exposed. And we lost it all, except each other, my wife and my three beautiful girls. Now, my girls are incredible. There's Rachel, Elise, and Grace. My Rachel is in college. She's on a scholarship down there um, as a pole vaulter. Does anybody know what pole vaulters look like? Okay. She can beat me up. It's awesome. And she's tough uh, and strong. And then my middle daughter, Elise, and she is a phenomenal, a phenomenal hurdler and sprinter in, in track and field. And we're actually looking at maybe, we'd love to see her go to Baylor. Uh, is there any Baylor fans here? Okay. Uh, but then too, I have my little Gracie and she's my youngest. She's in middle school and she wanted nothing to do with track and field and she wants to be, she's in water polo. And so she likes to hurt people. It's awesome. Okay. So it's kind of fun to see, but they all are included in our story. All right. And our story, yes, it's riddled through all that. And some of that, I never want to downplay our story in a way of how you feel about it, about it, because it might trigger some of you when you hear of addiction or it might hear of betrayal or things like that. It might trigger you thinking, Hey, that's part of my story that was done to me. Maybe your parents had that happen and it hurt you and it divorced and it brought divorce to your home. Or maybe you were involved in that and you're one like me had the uh, affair or you were on the receiving end of that. I don't know what your story is. 
I want to be sensitive to that, but I also want to bring healing to that in Jesus' name. Because I believe the Lord wants to do something special in each and every one of us, but we have to acknowledge here that we all have a story, and God wants to do something through your story and with your story here on this earth. Can I hear an amen on that? And so we want to look at this and be able to uh, and, and identify that. But today, Terry and I, as you met her on the screen, we stand before you open and transparent, real so we can share our story. We want to share our stories, and maybe, just maybe, it will open the door for you to be able to embrace your story and allow God to do something in your story so that you can then turn around and give your story away to somebody else, like me, okay? I mean, this happened years ago, but we're still able to use our story for the glory of God and will for the rest of our lives. Isn't that great? So what the enemy meant for destruction, God is going to, has, has turned for the good and will continue to turn for the good, okay, as long as we're open for that. And I know many of you, if you, if you heard any of this uh, and seen this, and, and you might think, gosh, well, it looks like you had a great life. Well, you can never judge a book by its cover. Because on the outside, James Craft looked really good. We had great ministry, and uh, we had a great family. We had three beautiful blonde hair, blue-eyed girls, and it's just a great-looking package. And all of a sudden, if you went beyond the surface and you got into the core, it's like, whoa, there is a lot of dysfunction there. Have you ever noticed when you close the front door of a home, it's like, what happens inside there? And a lot of hurt and pain. But I had to go back even to my own childhood to see where some of that hurt and pain started. A lot of brokenness took place there that continued to build upon until I started medicating at a very young age age. And I knew I desperately needed a new beginning. I needed a new beginning. My wife needed to, I needed a new beginning. And so when everything came out and we were exposed, we lost literally everything. Ministry, gone. All right. Everything we had of influence, gone. Even our paycheck was gone. We depleted everything we possibly had so that we could go through a healing process and we gave everything we had to it to say, I will give it all because I want to experience the healing hand of God in our lives personally, in our marriage, and for my girls. Let me just tell you, my girls, oh, they love the Lord so much. And they're following Jesus. But there was a time, my oldest daughter, she hated me. She hated me after all of this went down. And we had to fight for this to experience God's fulfillment in her life as well. I'll tell you right now, as we allow God to touch our story, he allows that story to influence the generations to come. Amen? And your children and children's children, children's children will be a recipient of that. And so I believe that today God wants to do something. He wants to take your story and he wants to put his hand on it and he wants to start massaging it and he wants to start doing something there and bring healing so that one, you can use your story here on earth. But I like to not just talk about our story, because if I just talk about my story, then it's just my story. But you know what? It's not just my story. It's his story being told through my, my life. Your story is not just your story. It's his story being told through your life. And we have to embrace that so that, one, we can acknowledge the power of our story. But I have to go back into the Word of God and really describe that. Because, you know, Terry and I, we wrote this book. This is our book out there. I'll be out there afterwards. And we wrote this book because there's always two sides of stories, right? Amen, right? You're like, yes, okay. Okay, so what we did is we did this where this is my side of the story, James, and there's eight chapters. And then if you flip it over, 
that's my wife's side of the story in its eight chapters. And you meet us in the middle with great pictures of us and our family. Um, and a lot of that, and you see kind of a piece of who we are. And it's not about all about sexual addiction. It's about brokenness. It's about a story of brokenness and where God had to bring exposure to that and bring life to that brokenness. Isn't that cool? And so I love our story. I embrace my story. I celebrate our story because yes, is it filled with brokenness? Yes, but it's also filled with redemption and restoration and healing and connection. And I love that. But I can't just talk about that without relating it to the word of God. Okay, and I always want to connect it. So I want you to open your Bibles or take your phones out, tablets, whatever you have. And I'd like for you to open it up to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. If you don't have it, I think we have it on the screen here. You can follow along. But I love it if you have your own. So Luke chapter 7 verse 36. There is a woman here in the scripture that I want us to connect with. Because Terry and I, when we went through a healing process, a year-long healing process, we connected with this woman very well. All right, we don't know her name. All right, we just know the story of this woman. And we experienced something very deep within this story of her life that really impacted my life, our life, and our family's life. And so I want to read this scripture here so that we can kind of understand, not kind of, we're going to understand this woman's life and the power of story and how Jesus used this story to really reveal the gospel in a nutshell. All right, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 39. It says this, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house. His name is Simon. Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a what? Sinful life. Okay, let's all say that. Ready? Sinful. Okay, so we say that again. Ready? One, two, three. Has anybody ever sinned here before? Okay, all three of you praise the Lord. We'll have a small group afterwards, okay? All right, and then we'll pray for everybody else who's lying right now, okay? Uh, no, we all have sinned, all right? We all have sinned. But she lived a sinful life that the town learned, uh, in that town, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Now, do you remember, if you read that story, those tears represented her story. You understand, those tears were representing the pain of her story and coming to Christ and experiencing something special right now. And so this is really powerful to understand that. And she wet, uh, wet his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, huh, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she really is. That she is a what? A sinner. See, he defined her as a sinner. This is what the Pharisee did. And I'd like to stop right there, and I'd like for us to understand something. Both Two characters, this woman who's worshiping Jesus and this Pharisee, Simon, are both untouchable. They're both untouchable. And I wanted to say that because all of us here can relate to either one or maybe both in one way or another. I can relate to both. She is untouchable by the holy people, by religious people. They define her as a sinful woman, okay? But the Simon, the Pharisee, is also untouchable because he has made himself untouchable. Have I ever gone to church before and made myself untouchable to God? 
Yes, I have. Where I've come in distracted and frustrated or whatever, and all of a sudden I get in and worship's going, and I'm not connecting with the Lord because I'm in focus on me and my pain rather than the healer who wants to touch my pain. Does that make sense? And so both were untouchable. Both these people are sharing an encounter with Jesus, but only one of these people is going to go away and walk away from this story, the same story, transformed. Only one, not two. Only one. And I believe that today the Lord wants to transform your life, your story, so that you can walk away and be a conduit of his love and grace to this world today. Can I hear an amen on that? This is what Pathway's all about. This is an incredible place. This is an incredible church. As I'm watching here, and I love to watch worship. I love to be able to experience, but I love to watch sometimes, see people worship. This is a healthy church where God wants to restore stories so that he can tell his story through your life. Can I hear an amen on that? We don't know a lot about this woman. All we know is that the Bible says she's a sinner. Now, Bible scholars and theologians, what they have said is she is probably a prostitute. That's what her livelihood was. All right, but there's a little bit of assumptions there. We don't know, but we're going to go off of what the scholars say. But we do know that she is defined by her sinfulness, but she's about to be redefined by her forgiveness, Some of you right now have been walking through life and your past has been defined by your sinfulness. And Jesus wants to come into your life and break it and redefine you by forgiveness. You might know somebody like that. It might be you. It might be somebody you're sitting next to or somebody you love or somebody you know. But Jesus wants to do something special in our world today and redefine people's sinfulness by his forgiveness. Amen? Amen? Come on, I know this is heavy, but this is good, all right? It's going to get really good here, all right? So hold on. But he's, now you got to understand this whole dinner, you got to put yourself in this story. you got to understand the dynamics of every character there. The servants, you know, Simon the Pharisee, the other Pharisees, this woman, and then Jesus. There's so many different people that we could relate to. And how in the world, we got to ask the question, how did this woman get to the guest of honor, Jesus himself, at his feet. How in the world? I see now my mind goes crazy when I read the word. That's why I don't read for consumption. I read for understanding. Okay. Some people, I, they, 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 they say, James, well, why aren't you reading uh, chapters upon chapters? Because I really want to understand what I'm reading. And sometimes I'll camp out on a chapter for a few days. A chapter, not a book, a chapter. And this is one area where I camped out for some time. I'm thinking, whoa, how did this woman get to Jesus' feet? How did she get past the person at the door, the servant, the other Pharisees, the other servants that were working that day? How in the world did she get by all those people? Were they familiar with her? Did they maybe know her because of her profession? Maybe they were clients. And they're backing off thinking, whoa, I don't want to get myself in trouble. Can you see how the story is? Can you imagine the shame that this woman carried coming to the feet of Jesus? Can you imagine what she was bringing? But she 
didn't care. She just desperately needed Jesus. I want to, you can write down these fill-ins here. I want you to understand what this woman was doing here. She came to worship Jesus, and I want to look at how she worshiped him. Because as believers, if we want our story to be something that God can use in our world today, then we need to learn to understand or understand here, we are called to worship Jesus, so that our story can be redefined by forgiveness. Amen? And so the first thing we understand here is this. She, this woman, worshiped boldly, right? Here she is. She could have been rejected, sent away, thrown out of the house, or even stoned to death. But she didn't care. She just wanted to get to the feet of Jesus. Some of you here today, you're going through a very difficult time, or have been. And my encouragement to you today is this. Press into the feet of Jesus. Because a lot of times what we would like to do is to sit in the experience of our fear or failure. And Jesus says, can you come to me? Because if you come to me, all you who are weary, I want to give you rest. And I want to give you peace. Amen. This is where Jesus wants. So she had to be bold in what she was doing here. And so the second thing is, is that she worshiped humbly. Now we can come in sometimes with a boldness and let's go and press in into the throne room of God. But if we don't have a humility about ourselves, then what's going to happen is, is that God resists, he resists the prideful heart right? She did not have a prideful heart. She fell before him. She wept so much that her tears were enough to wash his feet. Her hair was long enough that she took and then she used it as a cloth to dry his feet. I'm telling you, his feet weren't clean. Yes, he's God. Yes, he's Jesus. But his his feet stunk. They were nasty. He wore sandals. He walked in the dirt. They were gross. That's why the custom was is to give yourself some water and a basin so you can wash your feet before you came into the house. And Simon the Pharisee didn't do that for him. And there was a reason for that because Jesus knew that this woman needed this experience to come to him because he was going to take this experience and redefine her from her sinfulness to a woman of forgiveness. Do you see how that works? And so Jesus is giving an opportunity for her life, but she had to humble herself in doing so. Here it is, a sinful person who is touching God in the flesh. Remember, Jesus is God. A sinful woman touching God in the flesh. Or how about we switch that and flip that statement, and this is God in the flesh allowing a sinful woman to touch him. Now that might kind of irk you a little bit. Because there's some people in life you just don't want to touch you. It's like, oh, will you stay away from me, right? It's not the person next to you, okay? Don't do that, all right? But it's sometimes, and people think of different lifestyles or different places and stories. You're like, mm, I don't want to be a part of that. And it's, sometimes it's hard. But Jesus wasn't defined by that. He saw this woman who needed to be loved, who needed to be experiencing him, And he's allowing this woman to touch him in this way in front 
of all these people. Now, I want you to get, I'm laying this foundation because you need to understand the foundation before we can understand the discovery of this, okay? And so the third thing is she worshiped Jesus honestly, honestly. She worshiped honestly because she brings this alabaster jar of perfume. Now, this alabaster jar symbolizes her life. You got to understand that. This would have been one of her, the, the tools of her trade. All right, so this represented her sin, this represented her failure, her lifestyle, her work, her past. This represents everything she is, okay? And she brings it to the feet of Christ. By bringing this jar of perfume, this is a point of confession she has with Jesus. This is all of me. This is all of me. Some of us, like myself, I would be able to preach the message of Christ because I can tell you about a Savior. I can give an illustrative teaching that would literally see 130 people come to Christ. It was incredible what God was doing in spite of my brokenness. But I sure had a hard time connecting it to my Father in heaven because I had a wound in my own heart with my own dad here on earth that I then put that broken filter as I saw my Father in heaven. I had a hard time connecting with him. Does that make sense? but I can connect with a savior that would save me from my sin. This one, this right here, this brings, she brings this jar of perfume and this is her confession to Jesus. She's saying, this is who I am. This is who I am. Yes, they define me as a sinful person, but this is who I am and I'm gonna give it to you. This is all I have right here. Everything in my life, this is all I have. And she worshiped Jesus honestly. How many of us could ask the question of ourselves, what am I holding back in my life so that my story is not being fulfilled because I am not bringing it all to Christ? Now, I know it gets really quiet at this time, but there's a reason for that. It's awkward. Sometimes it's just awkward. My heart for life in church is to start to normalize this conversation rather than polarize. Because the grace and the love of Jesus wants to touch each and every person right where they are in their stories. Because we all have a story. Can I hear an amen on that? We all have a story. We confess our sins and repent and change our ways because we have been forgiven. All right, we have been forgiven, amen? And so we have to understand this and the transformation takes place in this. The key here is that we must respond when God is calling us forward. There are things in our lives that will hold us back from the fulfillment of what God wants to do in you if we're holding back. I always say this, I say this very boldly, I say this to a lot of people. You're wounded in relationships, but you're also healed in relationships. Can I hear an amen on that? Because you cannot heal on your own. You can confess to God, and God can forgive you from your sin, but he wants to bring healing, and the only way he can bring healing is if you allow yourself to be connected with somebody else, and somebody else knows your story, so that we don't live in isolation, and that's where he brings healing into your life, beyond just forgiveness. Can I hear an amen on that? And so today, God wants to bring healing to you and where you are. 
Now, I want to get back to the story because the story is so powerful because I can relate to this because, one, I finally had to come to the place after everything I lost— in ministry, we had, a, we had a church, a very large church in Honolulu. We, we had a beautiful place in um, Hawaii Kai, in Oahu there. And our lives were, hey, we're looking good on the outside. And when everything was stripped away, I had to realize, what do I have to offer my life to Christ? And so I can relate to what she had to go through. But it says here, let's go back to the scripture, verse 39. Let's get back to this and understand this. Verse 39 says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, well, how arrogant was this guy? All right, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, is that she is a sinner. If he were a prophet, he said. He tells himself a story. He tells him this, and Jesus verses it and says, Simon, I'm going to tell you a story here. I love how Jesus works. You know, do you know that Jesus doesn't ever get flustered with our craziness? Isn't that good news? All right, all your craziness, Jesus never gets flustered with it. He never gets overwhelmed like, oh my gosh, Marty, you're just going on. Marty, come on, hang it. No, no, he doesn't do that. What he does is says, oh, all right, James, I'm right there with you. You might be going crazy right now, but I'm right there with you. I'm consistent. And this is what he does. He's just very consistent in this, all right? And he tells a story when he's asked this question, all right? And I love what it goes on. Let's go ahead and read this in verse 40 and through 43. It says this, Jesus answered Simon the Pharisee, all right, and he said this, Simon, I got something to tell you. <laughs> he says, tell me, teacher. He said, two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other owed him 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, I love as we look at this, Jesus just calmly responds, and he's telling a story here. I can only imagine the other people are surrounding, the servants, they have the Pharisees, everybody's watching. It's like a cool boxing match. I love it, all right? It says, now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So he tells us this parable, the point of which is that love and forgiveness go hand in hand. Do you hear what I'm saying? Love and forgiveness go hand in hand. We cannot be loved, our love, without forgiving. All right? Or receiving forgiveness. We have to understand love and forgiveness go hand in hand. But Jesus is making it a very strong point here. Notice the story. You've got one who owes 500 and the other owes 50. Neither of them can pay or repay that debt. They cannot do it. So he's putting Simon the Pharisee and this sinful woman on even ground side by side. Isn't that cool? I love it, man. Jesus is strategic. Phenomenal thinker. Obviously, he's God, okay? But man, he's like just straight to the heart of what's going on. But he's not just going straight to the heart. He's going straight to the soul of this woman. And he's doing a great work here. The Pharisee was counting on his goodness, while the woman, she was counting on God's mercy. She came because her desire was to experience mercy mercy for her life. When we understand the depth of our sin and failure, when we understand how much we really owe to God, it changes the way we love him. It changes the way we see him. It changes the way we interact with him. 
just like this woman. And so we look at the story, and this is where it really gets interesting. Who here likes to watch movies here? Just like to watch movies. Anybody here? I'm, I'm a big Marvel guy, okay? I like to watch Marvel movies. Anybody here like to watch Marvel movies? Okay, good. All two of you, good. Uh, great. I love illustrations. I love very descriptive, you know, where it's good thinking, well-developed, produced, and so on and so forth. I like to put myself in the story, all right, I have a very creative mind. My mind doesn't stop thinking. So I like to, when I read the word of God, I like to put myself in the story as one of the characters that we're talking about. I want to relate to the people that, that we're describing here in the story. So allow yourself to right now go into the story. Allow yourself to be in this Pharisee's home. Allow yourself to take in the scent of the smell there. Allow yourself to smell the food. Allow yourself to smell just what's going on. Experience the feeling, the tension. There's tension going on. All of a sudden, everybody stopped talking and they're watching this duel between Simon the Pharisee and Jesus. And then here's this woman. Put yourself in this scenario and experience what God is revealing through this story. Okay, and it goes on, and this is really cool. It gets really cool here, all right? In verse 44, it says, Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves much little. Now, I got to illustrate this because it's, it, if you don't see it, and if you don't have one of those kind of imaginations I do, I want to illustrate it so you can see this story being lived out here on the stage. Is that okay? And so, Pastor Marty, can you come on up here, please? And Maria, can you come on up here? I'm going to have the two of you just partner with me one more time. Okay, these two graciously said, I will enter the story with you, James, in your crazy mind, let's have some fun, okay? And so, Pastor Marty is Simon the Pharisee, all right? Can you do that well? All right, good. There we go. All right, good. All right, so now he went into character, so now he's Simon the Pharisee, all right? And then, Maria, I am so sorry, but you're going to be the simple woman, all right? Here we go. All right, so please just kind of, and you're, I'm going to have you on your knees. That's what I did last service, right? Because this is kind of where the posture she was. She was like, I am not going to even look up. There is a shame, but she's desiring the love of Jesus. And since I'm telling the story, guess what? I'm Jesus. Is that all right? <laughs> I'm telling the story. Okay, so oh, I'm reiterating the story. So here's what he does. And now in the, in the word it says, because they, they lay down. This is how they would eat their meals. They would lay like this. All right, isn't that kind of weird? But they would, he got up and he stood. It says this. He turned towards the woman. So this is what he's doing. He's turning towards the woman. But then he starts to talk to Simon with his back towards Simon. Do you see the picture here? He's bringing validation and value to this woman who has been worshiping him. He's talking to Simon, which brought conviction, if Simon's open to it. But what he's saying here is that, Simon, do you see this woman? Pastor, do you see Maria? What do you see? You see my back. Get the picture here. Simon, you don't see this woman. All you see is a sinful woman, a prostitute. 
A person who has been in sin. That's all you see. But from now on, Simon, you will only see her through me. You will see her through my back. I will carry the cross for her. I will give my life for this woman. And I declare today she is forgiven of her sins. She will no longer be defined by her sinfulness. She will be no longer defined by her job and what she's done and what she has been carrying the shame all her life. No longer will you see her this way because from now on, accuser, you will see her through me. She is redeemed, restored, and forgiven. Do you get it? See how Jesus is speaking here? I got it. I'm ready to start yelling, so don't get me there, okay? Can you stand? Okay, there we go. I'm going to have you come on up here. I I need you to take the next step, because here's what Jesus was illustrating here. He wasn't just working through the story to have some scripture. He was illustrating something for us to understand the here and the future. Because all of a sudden, here's what happens. Now I'm going to go just in real time. You've graduated. You're not Simon the Pharisee anymore. You're God the Father. Okay, so there we go. All right, God the Father. Graduation, you're up. All right, you're good. Good. Now you're just Maria, okay? Is that good? You're, you have to be real you. But here's the bottom line. This is what's going to happen. There's going to be a time when Maria dies here on this earth, fulfills her purpose, and she stands before God the Father and Jesus. And she's, right? There's a day of judgment. And we stand before God. And all of a sudden, Jesus is going to be positioned at the right hand of God. Right? And this is what's going to happen. God the Father, who is to going to judge us of our sins, he's going to turn to Jesus and say, well, son, tell me about Maria. And this is what's going to happen. Jesus is going to stand in between us and God the Father of judgment. And says this, Father, you have to see Maria through me because she gave her life and accepted me into her heart and she is one of us. And so judgment no longer falls upon her head anymore. It falls upon me. Do you hear the gospel for you today? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I want us to understand something here because some of us here today, you're very ashamed of your story. You might be embarrassed. You might be hurt. You might think, I don't want to tell my story. God wants to bring healing to where your story is and where your story is to go. God wants to restore you where you're at right now. No matter what hurt, pains, disappointments, no matter what actions you have done in your life, he wants to bring healing. So no longer can the accuser look at you and say, you are defined by your sinfulness. No, Jesus would stand in the gap for you. And then the accuser has to look through him, which then redefines you as a person of forgiveness. Today, your story is just beginning. God wants to redefine you so that your story reflects his goodness, his grace, his mercy. He wants to do a special work. I'll tell you right now, I am so thankful for my story. But James, you had, just like David, you had a a betrayal. You were a liar. You had an addiction. You had all these things. Yes, I did. I did. I don't now, I did, and Christ stood in the gap, and he restored my life, and my marriage, and my wife, and my kids, and the generations to come in the Kraft family, so that as we stand in the gap, and we follow Christ, and receive his grace, and his mercy, and redefines my story, guess what? It redefines the future of our family. 
But if I stayed in that place of shame and unforgiveness, I carry that and I just pass it along generation to generation. But no longer, because we stand now as people redefined by forgiveness. Amen? Amen. And that will change the world. Do you hear what I'm saying, Pathway? That will change the world. If we will allow our lives to be redefined by forgiveness, we can go and change the world with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Would you mind standing with me right now?